I thought you'd be taller. July 19th. The two protagonists stand on a cliff. With just one false move, both of them might pitch off into the darkness forever. Neither one knows if he will be the one who will be able to return to his loved ones, or even if the loved ones will still be alive to return to. History is a terrible muddle, and nothing is right. These men, these mortal enemies, they try to reason with each other. Perhaps they can both survive the night, as long as they can live with that. The blade falls. A flash of lightning cuts the sky. A baby cries. Strange music is playing in the theater. I have bought my tickets, but I know that I don't want to see this movie to the end. I walk out and try to adjust my eyes to the light of the day. Nothing is as it seems or should be. Dueling. This is a cliché by now, even in his own mind, and he knows he should treat people better. Better than he has been treating them in the past? What can be done in this strange muddle of time and awareness? Leaves drift through the air. It is autumn, and everyone is feeling hazy laden with the smell of rotting leaves, sleepy. There is a somber mood, and some people begin to feel like this will be their last Christmas. Christina, a young woman who has learned to read her own language after a lapse of many years away from formal schooling, is looking at a children's book and cursing her fate. She wonders why everybody else can do what she cannot even begin to do yet. She sees those bookstores with their shelves and shelves of strange fiction. The newspaper stands full of reading materials. She only looks at the pictures in the magazine, and she has other people to read what they say to her. This is how she has control. Does she grant sexual favors for literary advice? No, she doesn't have to. Men are slaves at her feet. She walks into another ballroom, and the men are cringing when she doesn't look their way, or wave, or wink, or even smile. I am there too, and I glide up to her and ask her why she's looking so lovely. Tonight she's feeling particularly aloof, and she glides away from me after exchanging but two or three words. How can I make her feel better? She goes away and comes close to another girl who is dancing with her partner near the wondrous Christina. 
the man he has tried to cut in on takes offense and challenges him to a duel. They walk outside and bear their swords. They climb the hill and the rain begins to fall. Lightning starts to flash. They both begin to fear for their lives, yet they cannot stop their duel. At some point, they both realize that they cannot go on, that they will both be killed. They forgive each other, forgive themselves, give messages to the angels for the loved ones, and Cupid carries it away. Reason, it is said, will not end in solution. As if anybody knew what in solution is. The rain is still falling down hard. The books that are written in the world today are most definitely cast with intellectuals. For the authors of these books write for and about themselves, as if this could serve some sort of purpose. And why will reason not end in solution? Why would it end up in confusion? Reason and confusion are diametric opposites. And once you have confusion, what else do you need to solve it than reason? The words are strangling him, forming a noose. He doesn't understand the strange words. Perhaps he doesn't want to. He can turn on a computer. He can read headlines. What good does it do? He has money in his pocket. He can buy an audiobook and listen to the tape. Books are never written about illiterate people because illiterate people don't buy books. Books are written by authors about authors, which is also what I am doing now, is what he argues. And books need not serve any purpose other than to be read by at least someone. An unread book is but a brick, but its raison d'être is justified if only the first two pages are read. The rain falls. It falls down on the pile of books in the yard. The two swordsmen tumble down it and almost bowl over the poor illiterate trying to make love to the maid of the house. A slash of lightning cuts across the sky, and the four people are united in a bucket of mud. The one swordsman cuts the illiterate in half for being so bold as to talk to an employee of the house. The other swordsman cuts the maiden in half for being out of the house at that hour. The two men continue fighting. I have a bet on the red coat, but the odds favor the other. We are watching from the third story window. A man is smoking a big long cigar that is moving dangerously close to the curtains. The wind blows, 
the one swordsman loses his balance and the drape is blown onto the lighted end of the cigar. A fire quickly runs up the wall and soon the whole house is on fire. Because it is raining out and nobody has an umbrella, they all stay indoors. Now they are on the second floor, watching the fight from there, hoping that the rain will put out the fire upstairs before it endangers their lives. Soon, everybody is dying from smoke inhalation. Certain plastics, when they burn, create a dense chemical fog and all are killed. The swordsmen fight on. I am watching from the trees where I am getting wet. I have that gun in my hands and am aiming the sight. If I make the right shot, I will be a rich man. A shot whizzes over my shoulder. I turn around to face my opponent. The swordsmen fight on. I throw down my gun and put up my dukes. The other man pulls out a long bowie knife. On a hill, a cry goes forth. The red coat has won. Reason will not end in solution. I will end up in confusion.